Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics' dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a Tuesday morning. The Blue Jackets have missed three games now. They're going to miss a whole lot more. Uh, the NHL season is uh, on pause, if you will. Uh, it definitely looks like it's going to be quite a while, folks. Joining me is Allison Lucan. Hello. The great Tom Reed. Good luck. Uh, Allison, you're feeling okay? You feeling well? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to do my part to make sure that at the end of this, as many of us stay healthy as possible, yes. Hey, man. Tom, you're well well as well. I assume you've, you've been traveling about as much as anybody these last few weeks. Yeah, good. Uh, and like uh, yeah. Allison said, just trying to, trying to keep our distance and hope everyone's uh, safe and healthy and we can get back to the things we love doing. Amen. Well, I sure hope everybody listening to this is doing well. Uh, we're going to keep cranking these out a, a couple of weeks. We're going to keep uh, publishing stories. Tom had a nice piece up today, uh, actually last night, two nights ago, about uh, Nelson Iote, who who is the Blue Jackets czar of weightlift. What is his title? Tom? The high performance director. Yeah, VP of director of director high yeah. performance. Uh, how he's keeping the Blue Jackets or suggesting they stay in shape. Uh, so that they can be ready for this thing to restart whenever that may be. The CDC announced earlier this week uh, that they're suggesting eight weeks before groups of 50 or more are able to congregate, which uh, I'm no genius, but that tells me that that's mid-May before the Blue Jackets could even any NHL team could possibly play a game in front of fans. Um, the Blue Jackets had a, a couple of updates today. 
One of them was that their part-time and game night employees will be compensated for the games they were scheduled to work the rest of the way. I think there were five home games left, something like that. Correct. Um, so they're going to be paid for those games. If they are paid for those games and somehow those games are rescheduled, they will work those games uh, for free, paying back the, uh, the pay, if you will. Uh, but they will be made whole for those games, which is good news, uh, the right thing to do. And reached out to some players the last few days about where they were at with this. They were kind of mum uh, because they knew that the uh, Blue Jackets were working on something. Um, so that was announced today. Another bit of, of information, uh, no Blue Jackets player. We don't know anything about the front office, and I don't mean to put players ahead of anybody else, but the players are kind of who we cover more than anything else. None of them have tested positive. Uh, the flip side, of course, is that none of them have been tested. Uh, and we can say further, none of them are experiencing the symptoms. So, uh, so far, so good on that front. Um, Allison, uh, you you saw that release from the Blue Jackets today. Anything there surprised you? Um, I, I don't think so. I liked seeing that uh, the organization is is obviously supporting work from home for everyone who can. I liked seeing the proactive uh, daily, is what the statement said, communication Um to everyone involved in the organization. I think it's great that they were able to um, find a way to support uh, the workers at the arena and at games. I think that, you know, the Blue Jackets were one of the the later organizations to, to sign up to that commitment. And so I think it's fantastic that they're joining many of their peers around the league in doing so. Tom, does this remind you of anything? Is there anything you can draw on in your experience that's similar I don't think anyone's been through something like this in this country, but does this this sort of um, nationwide emergency, if you will, the sort of the attention that this has gotten, how it has thrown the brakes on so many aspects of of day to day life? Does do you recall anything that this is is similar to? Well, the only thing, I mean, the the the, the thing that you run your your mind goes back to, although it's. It's different was, of course, 9-11, where, where sports, uh, you know, everyone put a put a pause. But but there there was almost immediately you thought, OK, a week. Right. You, you knew like within the next week or two, the games would be back. Everything would kind of right. resume where this is, you know, we're just in, in uncharted territory. And again, because for for basketball and for hockey, uh, we're at the end of the season. It's not like we've, we, we've had lockouts before where. You know, the, either there wasn't going to be a season or at least we would know there would be a good chunk of the season that we're salvaging where this is it just it's just the NBA and the NHL is the pro leagues uh, there. If this comes back, it's just going to be full on. You know, these teams are either going to be in a playoff. They're going to be in playoff mode with only a couple games left or who knows exactly what's going to happen. And then for the poor colleges, I think Allison's working on something that I can't wait to read is just like Ohio State hockey. They've had such a great year. And it's it's just over. It's 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 you feel right. terrible. Yeah, I feel terrible for those kids that have had that have, you know put on all that time and have had such great seasons, and it's just over. Um, Allison, I, I get the sense, and the league has got to be careful with this. They they can't announce something until it's there. But if if we're at this point saying nothing until mid-May, it's becoming, I, I think that announcement is of itself is a huge hit 
to the idea that there may be a rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, obviously. I mean, because, you know, playoffs, original playoffs are are usually slated to take close to two months in and of themselves. Um, right. And, and, you know, the problem with the problem with any solution at this point, realistically, is that there's going to be at least one fan base and one organization that can argue for the asterisks, right? Like, well, if we had played all the games, who's to say this or who's to say that. And so with every, with every workaround or option, um, it just takes away um, the viability of it being accepted just because it's different. I mean, they could come up with a great solution, but someone's not going to be happy about it. Um, And, you know, it's even if they shorten the rounds, the playoff rounds in terms of number of games, it, someone's not going to be happy with that. So um, sure. It, sure. it really is tricky to, to see. I mean, this would only be the second time in NHL history that a season goes down without a, a team's name on that Stanley Cup. So who, who knows? Hey, Aaron. Uh, yeah, just, yes, sir. Because uh, we, 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 I know we have fans out there that follow other sports, and you'll remember this, of course. I did think of one, one, one example is probably the, was it the 94 or 95 baseball season that went on strike late in the year and never came back? Yeah. Where right. you thought yeah, it was, it was come back and it just got too late and they just decided that was one where they didn't have a World Series. So that, that might right. be the one that you think of. Yeah. 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 Um, the league has said, or at least indicated, that it does not want to take from next season to help this season. So it's and they've got to give players an off season. So Tom, do you should this league do absolutely everything it can do to have a playoffs and award a champion, even if, as Allison indicated, it's fewer teams, um, best of threes in some rounds. Um, maybe they just take the top four in each conference, let them play it out. Should they force the issue and and have a champion? even if they can't do it by the normal process of awarding the Stanley Cup? I think if, if you can do it, um, what do you think is a logical or, or pushing the envelope time if someone's going to lift the Stanley Cup by July 4th? If you could probably do it by then, I think you should. Uh, and that's, of course, everyone is safe and, and you can play. Maybe if it's even in empty arenas. I think so. I, I think... Um, I think you make every effort to try to finish the season in, in some way. Um, but again, the first concern, of course, is is safety. And like you go, you said earlier, the CDC. If people adopt that eight week thing, that's going to be really difficult. That's going to be tricky to really shorten the season. But I think if there's any way possible, I I would try to finish it. Allison, you agree with that? Yeah, I do for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we asked last week for readers to send in questions. We're going to keep doing this. Um, so keep sending them to us. Alice, we have a new hashtag because I guess F and N has the potential to be <laughs> problematic. Is that fair to say? Uh, well, I, it, it's we can manage it, I think. We, we've okay. got it under okay. control. Yeah. Excellent. Um, a question from Jim Pfeiffer at Bengal Blitz. And I'm going to, I hope I don't yammer on a bit here, but this is a hell of a question. It takes a long answer. Any idea regarding possible playoff scenarios you might have heard if that if they manage to get things up and running again, crazy or otherwise? So here's what we know to this point, which is, is it's a whole bunch of possibilities, but not a lot of certainties. 
Um, the league has gone through a ton of different scenarios, and all of this, all of this will have to do with how soon they can get up and running. And I think a lot of these that were discussed um, probably are now off the board because of the CDC's eight-week suggestion. Now, at this point, that is a suggestion. One thing we there's so many wrinkles to this. One of them is. If the CDC says for eight weeks you cannot have a crowd in that stadium, um, then perhaps there's a way where the NHL could get their players back, could have all of their players who've been quarantined for a couple of weeks now, so they would know by then if they are clear or not. They could decide to start having games in empty buildings. Now, the governor has said, I think 50, is that right, Allison? No more than 50? Uh, yes, correct. Yeah, now, I don't know if you have 20 players on each side, even if you limit it to two coaches, 24, and I'm, this sounds a little crazy, but you're getting the Zamboni guy in there, you're getting the, you're, you're putting truly, I hate the phrase, but essential personnel, people who have to be there for the game to get up and running, uh, trainers, medics, you can't do it in under 50 people. So unless somehow that is relaxed, um, they can't play a game even in front of an empty house. So let's just go through a few of these here. If they have plenty of time to play the playoffs, there's been a suggestion that since the season didn't end and there are still teams that have played not as many games as other teams. So like the Islanders would be pissed and rightfully so because they played two fewer games in Columbus and they're a point behind. That would not sit well anywhere. Columbus fans would go crazy if that were for their situation. Um, from Columbus's perspective, it would seem unfair to do a points per game um, because who knows what the Islanders would have done. They've lost seven in a row. Who knows what they would have done with those two games? You're just going to suddenly allow their points to be divided by yada, yada, yada. You can see where this is going. Do they take the first four teams in each conference? This would be one scenario. Take the first four and say, you're in. So in, in this case, that would be Boston, Tampa, Washington, Philly. And then they would take the next eight teams, so 12 total. Those bottom eight teams would play first round, round robin, or sorry, first round, best of three against um, eight versus one, seven, two, six, three, five, four. And then best of three, that would decide the five, six, seven, eight spots. And then they go. Now, that would require even more time than the normal four rounds of best of sevens. And time is not something they have. But they've gone through that scenario. They've gone through allowing the top five teams in each conference, taking the next six and letting those two teams play, those six teams play, decide the final three to give them eight. They've, just, they've talked about doing six. And four, so the top six teams get in. So all of the division teams right now would get in. Boston, Tampa, Toronto, and the Atlantic. Washington, Philly, Pittsburgh, and the Metro. And then they would take the next four, and those four teams would have a playoff for the final two spots. In that scenario, Florida's pissed because they've played one fewer game than the Rangers, and they're a point behind the Rangers. What I worry about, I shouldn't say worry about, it's, probably number 7,000 on my list of concerns right now during all of this. But if they have no time, if it's mid-May before they're able to start again, that instead of saying, 
uh, we're going to do the top this and these, that they just say we're going to take the top four in each conference and go from there. So in, in the East, that would be Boston, Tampa, Washington, Philly. And in the West, that would be St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Edmonton. And then they just do a, basically a best of four in each conference and the two winners play. They could fit that in. That's three rounds of the playoffs. They could fit that in before the June draft. Any thoughts on that, if it comes to that, either of you? Tom. Oh, my gosh. I, there's, I mean, he did a great job covering it all, Aaron, but it's just so hard to – it really is so hard to kind of get your mind wrapped around it. Um, and, again, it's just it's, – you hate to say it, it's just because everything is so fluid, right? It's just yes. so hard to kind of, kind of uh, absorb all that uh, – I would I would hate that last scenario to be to be it because especially we've seen it so many times in the NHL in over the last like ten years where that team that finished the seventh or eighth somehow gets yeah. to the final right we, we've yeah. seen it happen right. multiple times well, we saw, and look what happened last year with the Blue Jackets got to the second round and whereas you gave Boston all they wanted so I I would certainly that would be the one I would least like to just start with the the, the two fours. Um, I don't know that that's the one I would definitely least like. I would like to see them somehow try to play the the the, the thing of of having best of three. I wonder if you could even do it uh, just a home and home and, and like total goals or something like that, where you're only playing two goals and you're not. You're okay, not soccer yourself. boy, soccer boy. I know, I know, but I'm just trying to think of something that's not aggregate. A, yeah, aggregate somehow. And then maybe you have an overtime in the second game if you have to play it, just so you're you're cutting down on the travel, cutting down on the games, uh, but still trying to give a a fair way to do it. I don't know. I, I just don't think there's a there's a great answer in there. I guess it's a yeah. long way to get to that point. Well, my understanding is that they, the best of threes would be uh, one game for the or one city for the first game, and then two and three for the. Next, and that would not necessarily fall. Uh, it would more fall to arena availability. Like yeah. we do not. This is this is not the time for petty arguments. Uh, and I don't. I think some teams, honestly, in a best of three scenario, would rather have the first home game and get up one nothing than to sure. have than to have it the other way. So, the, but the league would not be able to be choosy in that case. The other thing I worry about or wonder about again, not a worry. Um, in the, in these teams that, that are off for two months or whatever and play a best of three and then move into the next round, Allison, they would have a huge advantage over the team that's been sitting while they've been playing a best of three, um, and have been sort of up to speed because you would be up to speed pretty quickly playing playoff style games. It seems like the teams that would be Higher in the standings would be at an enormous disadvantage when that second sort of second round of the or second wave, the start of the playoffs takes place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And isn't it funny that that's kind of the in a quote unquote normal year, that'd be the reverse, right? Is that, oh, take the rest, enjoy the rest. But this is just so much time and so much rust. Um, But then uh, the well, I mean, it's again, you can you can argue 18 ways to Sunday on all of this because whenever a team comes back and that, you know, this was part of Tom's Tom's article from this week is that when you haven't played, how much risk are you at for injuries from having to come back and go that hard 
right out of the gate after sitting for that long. I mean, it's crazy. Hey, Allison, I'm wondering if, if they would, if those teams that had to wait would, I, I think it would be an even number. They maybe just have some exhibition games. Yeah, but that's still not. I mean, they, oh, I know. It's a bit, just to give some kind of timing in, in a game. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to throw things out there as, as far as just where those teams, like like Aaron said, and I agree, you'd, you'd just be sitting there. I would not want to be sitting there for for five or six more days while those other teams are getting their timing down and oh, for sure. That, that back. But then imagine imagine that Sidney Crosby or Steven Stamkos gets hurt in that exhibition game, yeah. right? That's I mean, that's a, that's a good point. It's all a mess. It's all right. a mess. It is the mess. Uh, Tom, tell us quickly about the story you wrote with uh, Nelson. Um, and, and sort of the gist of that, what the players are doing or can do uh, during this time. They're not at the building right now. Correct. The only players that are at the building, and, and, and I think, Al, I don't want to give too much away, but Allison will be working on a story here in the future with, you know, uh, that will expand on this. But the only players that are there at the building right now are the injured players. They're the only ones who's, who's almost, there's a sense of normalcy to, other than they can't skate, but they can receive treatment. They can work out there. Uh, the only thing is they're, they're being asked to be brought in kind of individually. So you're not bringing a whole group of guys in. So where you're, you're getting too many guys together and, and risking uh, the illness factor. But the rest of the guys, and especially, you know, with the news here in the last day or two, you can't even go to local gyms, even though that was already discouraged. These guys are basically having to work from their home. And there's only a couple of them, Nelson said, that have full gyms. Uh, Felino's one of them, and of course, again, with this this idea of self quarantine, it's not, not like you can invite like eight of the boys over to work out in your right. gym. Uh, I know we know Pierre Luc Dubois kind of went in the first day and said, "Hey, can I take some weights home or something, <laughs> a bar, anything to just kind of work out?" So these guys are are kind of in that this whole situation that you're 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 waiting, you're waiting, and again, if we, if it's three or four weeks, you you do wonder like how. You know, it's just human nature. I don't really have to go hard today. I can wait till next week and go hard. And he's just I think it's just a bizarre situation for these guys that they don't know if and when they're going to come back. And and Aaron and, and, and Allison, you, you guys might remember this from the NBA. Remember Sean Kemp? Oh, yeah. Years ago, Sean Kemp did not think the season was going to come back and basically put on like 20 pounds. Now, I don't see any hockey player doing that. But you, that's the point is it's going to take discipline and attention to detail to kind of keep going. And the other point that, that uh, I thought was very interesting, and this goes to this whole idea of being ready, is they're not going to just say, okay, we're letting them back in on Tuesday, and that first round of best of three playoff games is, is Thursday. No, the, the, the point is, is like as Nelson was saying, you need seven to ten days once you're back on the ice to get kind of into hockey shape. Now, they may, may have to speed that up a little bit, but it's not like they can just say, ready, set, let's go and start playing. These guys need to get out there and, and, and kind of get themselves back into hockey shape because you can run and bike all you want, but it's anyone who's played hockey, the skating is a, t- a total different animal. Well, this is this is a start and stop scenario, which is different than the lockouts. But this is similar to the lockout, I think, in that it, it, the goalposts are going to be continually moved. Yeah. Uh, they've already been moved. So the players, the players are... You know, so much about these guys is peaking at the right time, right. right? Like training down and training up again, ramping up to get to get into it. 
that the ramping up is going to be really hard until the league can give them some sort of the league has promised to give them as much as they can. There's no reason they won't. Um, it's just it's just a difficult time for everything. Um, uh, Nicholas Eckert at vid student. I assume he's a video student somewhere. Uh, ask what is the latest date the playoffs could start. Uh, he suggested enough games are already in to constitute a regular season. I would suggest the teams that don't have an even number of games as some of the teams they may be losing out to for those playoff spots would argue that. But um, I mean, may to do it, to do four rounds, best of seven. I mean, it would have to be the second week of May at the latest, right? For sure. I mean, because again, think of the trickle down too here. And I, we're, we're getting so far ahead of ourselves, but we hear yeah. too about how the team that wins the Stanley Cup already has fatigue going into the next season, and I'm sure people are saying "cry me a river," but it's it's a thing. And the later this goes, this doesn't just impact that. This impacts drafting. This impacts development camps. This impacts free agency. So you can't. This isn't just about the playoffs. You can't compress all those other steps into too short of a time frame. Right. And a good model for this kind of was 2013 when the NHL had the, the mm-hmm. delay in its season, I think 48 games, and then ended up starting the playoffs. The playoffs that year started April 30th. And I think they were even more compact than they usually are. And they ended on June 24th. Uh, and the 2013 draft, this was really close, like two days later, I want to say, when that went off. Um, and on the 24th, the date was June 30th. So it was six days after the final ended, uh, the draft started. So I guess they could maybe take some of those days, although that it should be noted that the Stanley Cup final only went six games. So if it had gone seven, we're looking at June 26th. Yeah, so there would be seven, eight, nine, three days between that and the Cup final. I don't honestly know if that's enough time for the teams that are in the Stanley Cup final to do their business, they would have their draft prep done, but free agency starts January or July 1st. Right. Uh, maybe that could be pushed back a couple of weeks. But again, I don't think the league wants to take away from one year to add to the other. So it's kind of a kind of a messy, messy situation. Uh, another question here. Uh, this is from Marvin Foster. Marvin getting a little cheeky here at Flutter 3A. Uh, will there be a a half mile run to start minicamp? <laughs> Tom, you want that one? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, <laughs> that's pretty good. It is. Maybe a quarter mile. My money's still on Alexander Wenberg. Oh yeah, well, you know, you know. He wins uh, it. Allison, what what, we, what about a stats one hundred and one segment on the next few podcasts? Yeah, this would be Allison. Flying solo, I think, is the suggestion here. Uh, your favorite stat, what they mean, how they are calculated, etc. I would also enjoy a quote, my favorite blank episode or segment, yours and Aaron's favorite story from the road or behind the scenes, etc. Tom, you'd have to get in on this one as well. Um, yeah, I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. Um, Allison, the Stats 101 uh podcast sure uh we'll we'll starting friday we'll pick a stat and if there's 
one in specific or maybe something that I have tweeted out during games that, that you're curious about, uh, tweet it back at us at, with the hashtag, hashtag F-A-N-D-N. Um, but we'll we'll roll through some basics here. Of course, I'll let uh, Aaron Portsline define the zone entry, your new favorite stat. And, well, Tom, and Tom Reed will define what stat do you know now, Tom? It's your well, favorite. Royal Road, Tom. Oh, I love the Royal Road. I, I love I love zone entries and exits. Those are those are my favorite. I think those are just so so good. And I, 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 and I will say this, Allison. I don't mean to get one of the things I love about uh, what you guys what what the what the advanced analytics or the analytics advanced stats crew is doing is there's an evolution there. There's an evolution. It's just your guys are working to get it better each time, every couple years. And I think it's getting. It's more and more accurate. You guys are looking for ag- more and more accuracy, and it's, it's getting there, which is I think is really exciting. Allison, I've always loved you in this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say, Allison, you weren't accurate in the past, but I think no, no. Your, your, pursuit of, of your pursuit of giving people knowledge to the, the business, I think just in going to that, attending that conference that you guys had here in columbus and listening to like new ideas and models and stuff is just you can see where where it's going it's i think it's pretty exciting see how much more earnest he sounds porty hear that awesome so allison you define the stat and we'll have you defend the stat Ooh, i like it that would be interesting we'll do it i like it yeah okay uh let's see what else we got here i got a couple more uh, this is from Ed Nutter, Ed Nutter 4. I always wondered when players are called up from the AHL, does the team pick up their rooms and food costs? The answer is yes. I know at the trade deadline there are contractual things like housing and cars that are picked up by the team. But what about call-ups? Big expense this year. <laughs> he is right about that. <laughs> um, so the, the uh, club does provide them uh, a hotel. Usually it's down by down on Nationwide somewhere. Um, and the meals, it would be, the meals would be their responsibility, uh, just as it normally would. But on a game day, there's always food at the rink, especially in the morning and right after skate. Right. So a lot of those guys just kind of eat at the rink. Um, but yeah, he's, he's right. The, the, uh, the cost of calling those guys up this year has been extreme. Uh, usually what's happened, and this is something I kept going to Nathan Gerby about this year is when a guy is called up. And looks like he's going to stick. There's a conversation that happens um, where the coach pulls the player aside and says, hey, get a place. Uh, you're here to stay. And then the player either decides if he wants to stay in that hotel if it's near the end of the season or if he wants to get a part-time uh, month-to-month apartment. Um, but, yeah, the team, the team, I think, is responsible for the hotel room. Correct. For that a stretch is- of time, for a number of days. I have to look at the CBA, and then once the player decides to move into their own place, I think that would be theirs. So, but it, it, it does bear mention that the players make a ton more in the NHL than they do in the AHL. Case in point, Kiefer Sherwood, who was put on waivers by the Ducks uh, yesterday, two days ago, went from making nine twenty-five with the Ducks, prorated, of course to $70,000 in the minors. Hmm. So his paycheck, one of his paychecks with the Ducks was would have been almost the size of his paycheck uh, for the full season in, in the minors, which I believe is San Diego. 
Wow. Uh, okay. Anything uh, need a little fantasy CBJ talk for the off season to get me through this. Tim Shulvin, this is T shove 55. He's already moved on to the off season. Uh, who is the one player CBJ need to go after or one trade they need to make to make a splash this off season? Um, I'll jump on that one. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a specific player so much could change between now and when these players are determined to be free agents, if that's July 1st or another day. I will say this. I think we can we can look ahead to the summer already and think that if last summer was the summer of free agents departing, this coming summer may be the summer of big trades mm-hmm. uh, for this organization. Mm-hmm. They've got a defenseman to move. They have a need for forwards. Uh, they have a potentially a goaltender to trade if it's be it Corpus Salo or Merzlikens. We've been told there's a three-year deal on the table already for Merzlikens. Don't know if there's a similar uh, attempt to sign uh, Jonas Corpus Salo. Both of them are RFAs after this season. I assume one of those is going to be on the move. Goaltenders usually have a pretty good uh, return uh, quality-wise in terms of the, the trade return. So I think those two trades... Uh, could happen um, a defenseman for a forward or perhaps a defenseman and a goaltender somewhere for a forward. Do you guys have any thoughts on what may be out there for them this summer? Well, obviously the what they decide to do with Josh Anderson, which is kind of part of what you're saying, but also what happens yep. there. And I mean, it, you know, this is, we haven't really touched on this yet because we still don't know, but if the cap goes down as a result of, of a shortening or an ending of this season prematurely, uh, we said this going into last year, but my goodness, what good shape the Blue Jackets are in going into next year with their cap space. Right. Uh, you know, many talked about, oh, man, I can't believe they didn't sign anyone. They've got all that cap space. But my gosh, what that could turn out to be in terms of really a team, one of the few teams that's going to be able to bring on new assets going into next year if the cap goes even lower, let alone stay status quo, is going to be huge. Yeah, bring on new assets, but also uh, relieve other teams' situations, uh, perhaps in an exchange for draft picks. For sure. Which has been done all over the place. So Yarmo's going to be busy uh, whenever this summer kicks off. Um, all right, I think those, those are probably the meaty questions we need to get to. Uh, we'll ask for some more of those next week as well. Keep them coming. And thanks for listening. Uh, Allison, anything else we need to get to? Uh, just a, a reminder, obviously use that hashtag F-A-N-D-N to tweet us your questions. Uh, keep reading on the site. We have um, each of us picked, as did every athletic writer, picked our favorite stories, and those are unlocked um, through Tuesday today. So check those out. Share those with people who you think might be looking for some good sports reads. Uh, maybe they'll they'll like to read The Athletic too. And, of course, subscribe to this podcast. We'll We'll keep content coming, but if you subscribe, that way you'll never, ever, ever miss an episode when it goes up. Awesome. Allison, which story did you choose for your favorite? The the women's hockey team and their scars. Oh, their scars, yes. Uh, Tom, your choice? Uh, the, the the building of Nationwide Arena. Oh, yeah. Yes. Porty, you're surprised uh, me. Threw... Yeah, I, I, kind of, I went off the uh, beaten path there because I didn't feel like enough people saw that story. It's a great story. Well, thank you. Tell it, the people. It, there was a lot of yeah, people. Tell, tell a lot of people didn't want it. To, 
Oh, it was a story about the Mirfield crash, the crash that happened in Mirfield. Uh, it will be two years ago this June that involved um, James Wisniewski, formerly of the Blue Jackets. It involved a professional golfer, uh, Bud Cawley. It involved a local uh, orthopedic surgeon, and it involved a, a kid um, from Central Ohio, a former high school hockey player, recreation hockey player still today, who were severely injured in a car crash in the middle of the uh, golf tournament uh, two years ago. Um, and it, it was a crazy tale of uh, one, the person who sort of was gotten in all of the media reports of it. It was professional golfer, former NHL player, local doctor, and another man, or in some cases not mentioned at all. He's the guy who suffered the most. Yeah. Um, and we kind of went back, and there are a lot of people that did not want that story to be written. There are a lot of people who whispered about it in Dublin uh, and around Columbus. It was quite a quite a big story uh, during the tournament two years ago, and uh, we we tracked down the the young man that was in that car and was so badly hurt. So um, pretty wild twist at the end, too, for how it all turned out. But uh, so those are all up. We'll have more stories of, of that ilk coming. Um, and uh, we do appreciate you sticking with us. Uh, we hope you are uh, feeling very well and healthy and taking good precautions to keep everybody around you in that same in that same way. So thanks for sticking with us, and we will talk to you all very, very soon. Thank you.